Welcome to the Vineyard Cleveland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For further information and other resources, please visit vineyardcleveland.org. Thank you for joining us on this winter day, y'all. I am struggling. (laughs) Yesterday it was supposed to snow. It didn't. And then this morning I kept, you ever open your shades and close them back? Like, that can't be right. I was going to walk downstairs, maybe it'll be different out my front door. No. So, um, <laughs> excited y'all, brave the winter. We had like a whiteout by where we were at, so I'm glad everyone came and you're okay. Um, so, as I'm going to be talking today about First Peter, in First Peter, verse 2, I'm doing the verses right after that I've been spoke on last week, so verses 11 through 17, if you want to go ahead and turn there, but let's go ahead and pray and invite his presence. Dear Lord, I'm thankful for the opportunity to share not just what you've done in our life, but what you continue to breathe life into us through your word. Lord God, I pray as I speak today that everyone here, including myself, hears you, hear a new vision about how and which that we should live our life, feel encouraged to live our lives as believers, and develop a deeper connection with you this morning. Jesus' name, amen. So, um, this passage is about living as foreigners. And in America, I feel like that's a tough thing to do. Everyone wants to be like everyone else. So, in preparing for the script, the message today, I was looking up some cool metrics. And if you don't know me, I think me referring to as metrics as cool probably lets you know that I'm kind of a nerd. And I was like, what's something that I can share with people that they'll get, right? When we think about standing out, right, being a part. And so I looked up some smartphone usage. Okay. So back in 2011, only 35% of the population owned a smartphone, right? Wow, like that's it, a little bit over a third. I was one of those people. I did not want a smartphone. I didn't understand why I needed to see my email everywhere I went. I very much wanted to use a phone to call people. Like, that's about it. I wasn't even a big texter. Still am not a big texter. Actually, uh, our good friend Joe actually sent me a separate text from a group text. It was like, Bridgie never responded. I know. I just, I'm still not all the way there, to be honest. And But now, today, about 85% of the population has a smartphone. You're probably thinking, it's not 100%. Well, people, we got people in, you know, that may not have it. I wish I was still in that 15%, but I am not. And that was because when I was, it was 2015, my um, job was doing an offsite, and we were supposed to meet at the Akron Food Bank. I'm not from Akron, I'm not even from Northeast Ohio originally. And so what did I do? I printed out MapQuest directions. And I thought, I'm going to be totally fine, right? If you've ever driven into Akron, Akron has the most exits in the shortest amount of space I've ever seen in my life. Okay? <laughs> Needless to say, I missed the exit. I was about 45 minutes late to this offsite. Oh, it was brutal, y'all. And I walk in, and my, it's like 50 of us. My boss meets me at the door, okay, come on, get set up. Hey, buy a smartphone today. Today, Bridget, buy a smartphone. I was like, okay. 
I bought a smartphone and uh, so glad I did as I am transitioning to a new job and you know they send you and all the stuff now and I like go to sign in and they're like oh you got to download an app. <laughs> I have to download an app to, to be a part of your company? <laughs> like, I mean it's everywhere so sometimes right society doesn't let us stand out. And as I pull up my smartphone, I'm actually going to swipe to my Bible. <laughs> so there's some good things about smartphones, but I have to admit, it's very difficult sometimes to stand out against societal norms. But let's read what Peter writes. So again, I'm in 1 Peter chapter 2, and I'm going to read this in the NIV version, and then I'm going to read it in the message because some of the words, I feel like they just transition. Um, so they just um, speak so much better in the message. But I'm going to read the NIV first. So he says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires, which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as a supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. See, now this is the cool part of, the, uh, of a smartphone, because you can just change translations, uh, which is so cool. Unless you were a nerd like me and had multiple translation Bibles. <laughs> All right, picking it right back up at 11. In the message, it says, Friends, this world is not your home, so don't make yourselves cozy in it. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. Live an exemplary life among the natives so that your actions will refute their prejudices. Then they'll be won over to God's side and be there to join in the celebration when he arrives. Make the master proud of you by being good citizens. Respect the authorities, whatever their level. They are God's emissaries for keeping order. It is God's will that by doing good, you might cure the ignorance of the fools who think you're a danger to society. Exercise your freedom by serving God, not by breaking the rules. Treat everyone you meet with dignity. Love your spiritual family. Revere God. Respect the government. Now, I want you all to know that as Peter was writing that, and I want you to think about where we are today, especially that last part, right? Respect your government. As Peter was writing that, he wasn't writing it during a time where Christians were loved. <laughs> you may think, when are we loved? <laughs> but he was writing it during a time probably when Nero was the emperor in the Holy Roman Empire. And if you know anything about Nero, he was not a good person. He was a pretty troubled person. He, 
he lost his status at a young age, and then his mother, as his father perished, his mother remarried back into that society. He then was adopted by the emperor, and then he became his successor, even going over the emperor's natural son. Now, to me, that was pretty amazing, right? He was, he was picked over by someone else's son, which is huge. Nero, I don't think, saw it that way. There's a lot of different uh, arguments, right? Because a lot of things about Nero was written after he, was, after he died, probably because he was pretty scary and kind of killed people that got in his way or wrote negative things about him. But Nero was a persecutor. Nero even killed his own mother, right? He killed, a, he killed his first wife, who he needed to legitimize his throne, he did anything and everything that he wanted that fed his flesh. So imagine these new Christians, right? They're getting these letters from Peter, and they're like, probably like, was that a, that's probably a typo. <laughs> he really means the government of Jesus. <laughs> like, yeah, we don't love that government, right? But just like back then, they were asked to love, we're asked to do that too, right? We are actually ambassadors, if you think about it, for Jesus. Ambassadors are people who are set apart. They're picked to send to represent the culture, right? They're supposed to be great, the best person from every country to go to different countries and really live out the values. But we're not just ambassadors. We're recruiters. Because while we are sharing who, what it means to be a Christian, we should also, our ways should encourage people to live like us. And I'm not standing here saying that it's easy to do that. As someone who has been in corporate America for well over a decade, I can tell you about some sinful desires. <laughs> and how sometimes you want to give in to that. You want to maybe put your Christianity and check it at the door. You may only want to pick it up on Sunday mornings or pick it up in your home. But that's not what God is asking us to. He's asking us to wear it and to live it each and every place that we go, even in places, very much in the places that don't welcome God. I uh, recently decided to change jobs. It was very difficult. I had many pitfalls that a lot of people close here know about my, my trails. And if you knew some of the stories that I had, you probably would be like, you should be running. You should be, you should be so excited to leave that place. And for me, it became not easier because people became nicer or because people were becoming godlier toward me. It became better because the harder it was for me, the closer I drew to him. The more I carried him with me in every interaction that I had. I did not realize how impactful that could be to some folks who I knew weren't Christians until I sent out my email, obligatory email, you said, hey guys, I'm leaving, stay in touch, love you, bye, right? Um, I got, I got a, my, my new, my new, um, job is located in Charlotte, but I'm not, I'm not moving. And so I had got, I saw a Charlotte number pop up on my phone, right? Another good thing about smartphones. And so I answer it and I'm like, you know, hi, this is Bridget, thinking it's someone, right, from the new job. And it wasn't. 
it was one of our most senior leaders. And he's like, how much can we pay you to stay? And at that moment, I had a number. I mean, who wouldn't have a number? But I was like, <laughs> I was like, one million dollars. No. <laughs> I was like, you know what? Hal, it's not about that. You know, this is just a better, it's just a good opportunity for me. And I'm just going to want to see it through. And he said to me, a man who is, to say he's revered would be an understatement. He was that person that would speak during meetings and to make people cower. People were afraid of him. He was a small man. So I was like, as someone that's tall, I was like, why is he so <laughs> look up. But anyway, that's another story. <laughs> uh, he wasn't very kind. And he said to me, that blew me away. He said, you know, I, I want you to know that your presence carried something, Bridget, and we're really going to miss that. And I thought, thank you, God. Because had, had I not chosen to truly wear my ambassador recruiter hat, he probably wouldn't have called me. I mean, I still would have did my job the same, but I would have given in to my sinful desires more so than, I, than he wanted me to. I wouldn't have been kind to Hal when he was being not so kind to me. I would have maybe fired something back at him, but instead I... Re- oftentimes de-escalated situations, not by my own desire. I mean, you can ask my husband. (laughs) It was very much staying connected in with God and telling people, not necessarily I'm a Christian, but hoping that they feel it and they feel him through me. So we're com- we come here to share our culture. And in Matthew 5, this is one of my favorite verses. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. Jesus says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. He wants everyone to be in his kingdom. Everyone gets to play, just like Eben said. But just like Eben also said last week, there's a lot of hostility towards Christians. And for us to know that, right, we have to remain connected with him. We have to be remain filled with the spirit and coated with the blood so that as people attack us, we don't, we're not fractured by it. We're not devoured by it. But that in doing that, we continue to spill out and pour out what God has put in us. Which is differently from how the world say that you should live, right? Society um, doesn't align with who God is or how he wants us to live. You know, society um, very much is like someone hurts you, you hurt them worse, right? I mean, if we look at anything in social media, 
Like, that's all people, it's about catching someone in a bad act, making them relive their nightmare time and time again to make them hurt. But that's not what God calls us to do. That's not who he calls us to be. In Romans 12, 2, he talks about being in the world, but not of the world, right? Being here. Um, when I was a kid, anytime I would go into a fancy store with my mom, I don't know about y'all, my mom had this saying, look with your eyes, not with your hands. <laughs> it took me a long time to connect that as a kid. I should tell her that. That wasn't the best phrasing you could have said, like, made it a little more plainer to me. But that's kind of what God is telling us, right? Look with our eyes, not with our hands. We don't necessarily need to be in everything. We should see and welcome him, though, into everything. But it's tough, right? Sometimes society don't allow us to do that. When you're constantly bombarded, because that is the one negative I feel like I have about smartphones, is that you're, especially if you have it connected so that your Instagram pops up, your Facebook pops up, right? Sometimes you're bombarded with things that can get into your mind and that can actually change your whole perspective. There in Psalms, I'm going to read to you all, Chapter 146, read you a couple verses, starting in verse 3. It says that we do not put your trust in princes and human beings who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed are those who help is the God. Blessed are those who help is the God of Jacob, whose help, whose hope is in the Lord their God. My husband loves exercise, and so he follows a lot of uh, influencers. And I didn't really know that word. I'm just going to be honest. Y'all, like, you know, maybe like more than a few years ago, I didn't know the word influencer. And I feel like a lot of people live their lives now by these influencers. My influencer said to me that I should eat bananas and spinaches every day, and I'm going to grow big and strong. I'm just like, what? Right? Or I should do this with my money. I should do that. If I want inner peace, I have to travel to the Maldives and, live, and pay $5,000 to live in a shack. <laughs> right? This is where people are putting their faith. It's so easy to follow somebody that you can see, but what people don't realize is how great it is to follow someone who you can feel, who walks with you, who wants good things. But that's where we come into that is where we are as Christians. So we know why we shouldn't follow the ways of the world, right? It's not very, it's not difficult. Their, their way, the world's way is not God's ways. There's no hope here, as I just read. There's no hope in man. But how do we do that? That's the, that's the tough part, right? Like, how do you do that when everywhere around you is doing something completely counter to the way in which that you should, you should live as a Christian? Well, Again, something else that's counter to culture is that we do that through submission to him. We do that by living by the Spirit. I know a lot of us here know the fruits of the Spirit, but I want to read it to us, and I want to read some passages before that. So in Galatians 5, starting with verse 13, it says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. 
If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, so on, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Living by the Spirit is tough. Thinking back to one of my stories when I was um, at my previous company, during one of my reviews, it was after I had had um, my daughter, and on my performance review, my manager at the time wrote, that she thought I was more in favor of being a mother than an employee. That cut deeper than deep. And um, it took me a long time to get over it. After I had my son, who is four years younger than my daughter, she had a little girl too. And we were both in the lactation room, if, you, if you're unfamiliar. A lot of employers will have a lactation room for moms. And so you're like separated by these curtains. It's actually kind of strange, but whatever. I mean, to each his own. Uh, we have to do it. <laughs> and uh, we're pumping out our milk, and I can hear her sniffly, okay? And I said, are you okay, right? She was not. She was having a really hard time. The same woman who told me that I was more in favor of being a mother than an employee, she's having a hard time not being with her daughter. And we, we finished, we're, we're outside of the room now, and she asked me, how do I do it? How do I work and stay separated from our children? My, right? The same woman who said what she said so many years prior. Now, I could have said a lot of things. <laughs> oh man, because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and say that very moment did not pop right back into my mind. But it was a little different. When that moment popped in, it this spirit it wasn't shown to me with vengeance. It was shown to me to to have gentleness, to give her the person that I wish she would have been to me. And that's what we did. We talked. We hugged. She actually ended up leaving the company months later because she felt that was best for her family. And she hugged me and thanked me for my encouragement. She wasn't hugging me, though, y'all. She was hugging God. Right? Who I allowed him, who I allowed him to be the person that he needed me to be in that moment. Because the problems that we have with other people aren't, aren't often their faults, right? I didn't necessarily truly have an issue with this woman and what she said. I had my own unreconciled issues with working outside of the home and being away from my daughter. 
that was pain that I struggled with. My husband knew I struggled with it. She was just the person that had triggered it. And so my gentleness wasn't just because I'm this super Christian and, oh my gosh, I'm going to like take this opportunity. But it was because I had already spent the time working through it, reconciling that pain with him to allow God to come in and heal me and for me to fall into the path that he had for me as a person. So we have to also live through forgiveness then, not just of other people, but of ourselves. Because it isn't just looking at other people and allowing them to dictate our futures or our presence, but it's us and what we perceive to be the right thing to do, right? To follow that influencer. And, and if you follow influencers, that's fine. I'm just not that cool, to be honest. Like, But it's forgiving ourselves for not actually living up to our own potentials and recognizing that God still sees us as rock stars and amazing. And then it's through love. which is tough. I want to go back to that last verse in 2 Peter verses 11 through 17 where he talks about you love. What did he say? Um, I love it. And um, I read this scripture with our kiddos, our, our daughter who is, um, she's 12. I, I asked her what was her favorite part. And she said this, the last, this last scripture where he says, uh, let me find it. To love, to show proper respect to everyone, to love the family of believers, right? To love each other, to fear God, and to honor the emperor and that message virgin that talked about the government. That's tough. But in John 13, 35, it talks about how he, Jesus says how they will recognize my disciples when they see that the love that you have for each other. And that's what's going to set us apart. I mean, Evan mentioned it last week. There is hostility towards Christians. There will probably forever be hostility towards Christians. And it's not because God isn't good. It is actually because he is good because the world is not good. So as Edmund said last time, when we go through affliction, when we go through rejection, it's very much to remind us that we serve who we serve and what we're doing. And actually, we're actually doing what needs to be done. Because if we were welcomed and revered, right, for being sinful, that is the problem. But when we, when we enter into a moment that's hostility, and he talks about in Second Peter that you will be wrong for doing the right thing. People will say bad things about you, but that is okay because this is not our home. We live as foreigners. We're ambassadors for him, though, and we're recruiters for his kingdom. So we show people who we are. We be different by showing love. And love isn't just hugging people on the streets, right? Love is being gentle to a boss that maybe is not gentle to you, to a neighbor that's not gentle to you. Love is possibly not unfollowing someone who posts something that you don't agree with. Love is smiling at a person. Love is meeting a person and showing grace when they're having their worst day. I want to leave you with the story before Evan comes up and um, shows in ministry time. I, um, 
When I was in grad school, I visited Dresden, Germany. If you don't know where Dresden is, it's about two hours south of Berlin. It's a beautiful city surrounded by some really beautiful villages. Um, I had a lot of great, wonderful experiences meeting with government officials and these little village, these people in these villagers and villages. And um, I was blown away by a remark um, that one of my fellow classmates had mentioned to me. I don't think she, or it was a few of them, meant any callousness by it, but they, they said that I was probably the only black person for like 100 miles. And in that moment, I, was, I, I, felt, I felt like, I felt isolated. Now, it's not because I don't know what color I am. <laughs> but I want you to know it's not something I think about. I don't wake up and look at myself and think about my brown skin. Most of the time, at my age, I'm making sure that I don't have any more gray hair and trying to figure out how I'm going to hide them. <laughs> or I'm wondering how at my age I still have acne. <laughs> that is painful, let me tell you. Um, but it's when oftentimes you think about it, if you're different, you think about it because someone reminds you of it. And so I called my, I, well, I couldn't call, right? This is before way before 2011 and that 35% of smartphones. I had like an international calling card that I used for my mom, call my mom, but I was emailing my friends and I emailed my one friend and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so awful, blah, blah, blah. And I thought the response was gonna be, oh, that's so sucks, so sorry for you, that's awful. But it was, I'll never forget this. It was show them who we are and represent us well. And so today, church, that is the same thing I ask of all of you. When you're in a place that's not filled with Christians, when you're in a place where you feel isolated, when you feel like your beliefs and who you are isn't welcomed, show them who Christians are and represent him well.